Hello everyone, my name is Jared Altick and I'm a chaplain with the police department. The Hey Chaplain podcast is the place where members of the law enforcement community share their wisdom and experience through me, the chaplain, so that they can encourage others who wear the badge. On Hey Chaplain, you'll hear from dispatchers and federal agents, sheriffs and U.S. Marshals, as well as local detectives and patrolmen in my hometown of Kansas City. From the LAPD to Scotland Yard, the guests on Hey Chaplain deliver advice and insights so that police officers everywhere can survive and thrive. In this episode, you'll hear stories about the rescue of children. When a first responder encounters a child in danger, it can be some of the most emotionally taxing work he or she will ever do. It is so emotionally charged that we sometimes want to avoid it. But let me encourage you to brace yourself and to listen to these first-hand accounts. These are the good guys doing good work to save the lives of the most innocent among us. Yeah, I was a patrol officer for Kansas City, Kansas Police Department from uh, 1967 up until about uh, 74. Uh, I was a police officer for three different departments in Southern California. And during that time, I was uh, also a field training officer and the canine handler in the uh, mid-2000s. I was a detective assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force at the FBI. Um, I got there in 2009 through 2018. I was a detective at Overland Park Police in the early 2000s. Um, I was a uh, patrolman. I was with Kansas City, Kansas from the uh, early 90s to the early 2000s. I was a sergeant for the Overland Park Police Department SWAT team uh, from 2006 to about 2011, 2012. I was a patrolman at the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department in the early 2000s. Have you ever witnessed the rescue of a child? And again, don't name names. I don't know if you would call it really rescue. Uh, I was involved in saving a child uh, one morning, about 6 o'clock in the morning, on a cold winter morning. I found a young boy, probably 10 years old, walking down the street, no shirt on, no shoes or socks on, his hands tied behind his back, and blood caked in his teeth. Oh, my. And uh, I picked him up, tried to find out who he was, and I took him out to the station, and he wouldn't tell me his name, and he wouldn't tell us where he lived. And we just kept talking to him, we kept talking to him, and you could tell the child had been abused yeah because uh, he had burn marks on him and after about two hours of talking to him he finally gave us a last name and we checked and then had people do some checking and investigating and found out that there was a family that lived about two blocks uh, from where I had picked him up and that was their name. And they wouldn't let me go out to the house by myself. 
because sure. I was rather upset. Sure. And another officer went with me out there, knocked on the door, and this lady comes to the door. And I asked her, do you have a son named so-and-so? And yes, I do. Where is he at? She says, well, he's downstairs tied to a post. She said that to you? She said that to me. I says, and I had to restrain myself. I said, you better go down and look because I don't think he's there. Well, she goes in and goes down. Then she comes back upstairs all screaming and all upset. Where's my baby? Where's my baby? And I was so mad I could have, oh, I could have run her neck. Oh, wow. But uh, we take her and took her out to the station. And what had happened, we found out she had another son. This lady was abused as a child. Mm-hmm. Anytime the other son wanted something, he got it. And this particular boy couldn't touch anything that his brother had. Oh, my. Okay. And she thought by punishing this boy, she was getting back at her parents. And this boy had gotten up early that morning to kiss his dad goodbye. She didn't want to get up that early. So she took him downstairs and tied him to a post. Wow. We got, and we we learned a lot of this when we got the older brother in. Right. And uh, we brought in some candy for the young lad. Here, you want some candy? Well, he would look at the candy and look at his brother, but he wouldn't take any. Sure, sure. And we offered it to him two or three times. Finally, it dawned on us. We took the older brother and put him in the other room, offered him some candy, and he took it. Yeah. And that's when we found out what was going on. Yeah. Wow. Have you ever witnessed the rescue of a child? Just um, been involved in one rescue of a child where, you know, hot car, uh, parking lot of a of a of a shopping center, hot summer day, and uh, baby left inside the vehicle. Um, and it was, I mean, it, this day was it was a it was a scorcher. You know, you're trying to do everything. It's funny because you try to do everything you can not to damage anything. <laughs> I was working in patrol as new officer. Uh, trying to learn everything you got to learn. And so, you know, I was like, I don't want, you know, you're, you don't want to do anything to get you on the bad side of the Sarge. So, you know, you're trying to do everything to uh, make sure that you don't damage anything. So we called the fire department. Fire department came with some tools. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to break into a car. Obviously, the good guys don't know how to break into cars because we, (laughs) we could not get into this car. So we ended up having to take the ASP. Uh, the expandable baton that's on our belts, and we ended up uh, breaking the window out of this car to get this baby out. And uh, of course, here comes mom, you know. And 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 what had happened was, for whatever reason, mom decided to try to go inside, uh, run inside real quick, leave the kid in the car, and uh, come back out, but didn't realize how hot it was. Was the kid still conscious? Kid was still conscious, okay. sweating profusely. Right. Right. Uh, you could tell the baby was hot, and luckily we had medic there, so they, of course, they got in there, got the baby, took him into the ambulance, and uh, of course we gave we we talked to mom a little bit about you know just you got to be careful because these kind of things can happen where 
you know, you can go unconscious very quickly from yeah. just over overheating, and then you know it can be it could be uh, very tragic. Again, it's one of those things you just you you take for granted sometimes, and you don't. She wasn't a bad person. It was just she thought she could just get in and get out, and and it didn't happen that way. And right. you know, luckily nothing bad happened that day to the baby. So mercy. In the areas that I worked, there was a lot of uh, prostitution and also like sex trafficking stuff. So we ended up uh, visiting a hotel room looking for um, a certain somebody. Mm-hmm. And a female answered the hotel room door and, and talking to her, she was like 15 or 16 and, and was wow. dressed and, and, you know, looked like she was in her mid twenties um, and ended up was, was in the whole sex trafficking thing for money. Hmm. But one that stands out in my mind is late night, you know, you get the call of like baby, not breathing child, not breathing. Uh, and, and I, I want to say that the kid was like one or two, but I was the first one there and, the parents had the front door open, you know, they just hand you this, this child that's like lifeless and, oh, no. yeah. and turning blue. And, you know, I think it's every officer's fear. It's like, you get this training and here, yeah, here's what to do. If there's a, you know, a child's choking or not breathing. And then here it is, you know, you got this kid in, in, in your hand. So the first thing I did was I, I ran back out to my car and I, I put the kid on the, um, on the hood of my car because it's obviously it's warm, it's running, it's flat. Right. And, um, was able to do uh, CPR until the uh, fire department got there. And, and one of my partners was not too far behind me. And we were going back and forth of, you know, should we, should we just go to the hospital? But the hospital was, you know, a, a good five minute drive away, even if you were going lights and sirens and all that stuff. And, sure. um, I think the hood of the car being so warm, you know, of, of a police car, well, it was an Explorer, um, so it was a little bit higher, it was warmer, it had been running all night. And, um, I think that helped and just the flat surface, I was able to do CPR properly and right. the fire department got there and kind of took over and they ended up transporting the kid to the hospital. But, you know, it's at two or three in the morning when, you know, you're working yeah. patrol at night and you're sleepy and all of a sudden you get this call and it's like, you know, Oh, this is, this is the one that, that is, you know, is scary. Yeah. Could be you're potentially, you're, yeah. Yeah. You're holding yeah. somebody's child and the child's choking to death, but, um, yeah, the kid made a full recovery. Oh, fantastic. You know, it sounded, it sounded like he was some type of like, like had food had come up or some, some way when he was sleeping and was choking on that. And, oh, wow. um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So it turned out good, but yeah, definitely a scary event. That one's, <laughs> I think it's basically burned into the back of my brain for the rest of my life. Have you ever witnessed the rescue of a child? I was trying to even remember what fire it was. It was a pretty big fire because I had like four or five victims. And I even think that there were a couple that died, but they brought out a kid who was not breathing at all um, and started working on him right away and got him back pretty quick. Mm. Um, and then another one, that was probably most memorable outside agency. Um I just remembered this. We got sent to a drowning Mm. at a residence in Turner. There's no pools. Okay. And a mom had tried drowning her two and a half and her one and a half year old kid. Oh, wow. And she was successful. They, neither one of them were breathing. And the officer did, that got there first was doing CPR on both of them, laid them right next to each other, just started going to work and they both survived. Oh, wow. And mom was still there and it was crazy. Okay. Yeah. He was there by himself for quite a while. That officer was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, did one heck of a job. Wow. 
Have you ever witnessed the rescue of a child? Yeah, really. Uh, we'll just give you the most recent, and that was I was uh, at the end of my career. I was stationed in operations as a police captain, and uh, I got called out um, because uh, there was a child that was missing that was autistic, had left the back door of the residence, and there was a lot of woods, um, some ponds in the area, things like that, and so we got several officers there. Uh, I had multiple people checking the perimeter. I had an officer stay with mom. And I was like, you know, I've got a lot of experience um, in the military uh, with tracking people in the woods. Uh, so I basically walk out of the back door. I'm trying to think like a little child. Mm-hmm. I know that people, when they walk through the woods, they they pick the path of what we call least resistance. Sure. What's what's the easiest path? And that's looking at a child. Okay, so if I walked out, this is downhill. This is a trail. It leads down to a pond, which autistic people, children from my what I've been briefed are attracted to water. So I follow this, and I end up following this trail for probably a good quarter of a mile or more. And it finally leads, leads me to this ditch. And sure enough, in the ditch, there's this child, and he, but there's these really high banks, and he just kind of going up. He can't get out of the ditch. Mm. He's just going back and forth, kind of walking. Luckily, once I went down, it was, it was like he was very uh, polite, came with me, no problems. I ended up having to carry him out of there because he had no shoes on. And there were a lot of thorn bushes and other things. He looked like he had a few scripts, but he wasn't too bad. And so we, we found him, got him back to mom. Um, we had paramedics show up and check him out before we went back to the house. And other than giving mom warning, he might have some poison ivy. Right. Uh, <laughs> other than that, he looked to be okay. And you were you were a captain then, so you would have been in uniform. So he saw a police officer in uniform and yes. responded well. Yes. Excellent. We have taken off, I've taken off several kitty porn people. And uh, that's very rewarding when you see that look on your face, on their face of their life just collapsed in on them mm-hmm. because they have this problem. And I understand it's an addiction and that kind of thing, but I also don't care <laughs> uh, because I'm here to preserve the peace and protect the innocent from the predators. Yeah. And, um, so I have taken off a lot of kitty porn people, and that's very rewarding when you smash their front door in, and uh, they know why you're there. Yeah. Not one of them. I've done dozens. I've lost track of how many we've done. Not a single one of them looked surprised when we came through that door. Really? Every one of them knows why you're there. Yeah. They knew it was going to happen someday. Yeah. Yeah. And most of them end in prosecution that kind of thing, uh, some of them end in their own demise. They go mm. and take care of it themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so I've had a handful of those. I've lost track of how many of those have done that. But like, hear you coming in, and they just well, they have Usually, we're fast enough and surprise okay. them enough. So later, they don't they do, do it right then. But as soon as they're released, because they're hardly ever taken into custody, right? We just there to get the evidence, and then they're questioned and released. We find out that night that they've done something yeah. themselves. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever witnessed the rescue of a child? 
Don't name names. I have seen, yeah, I've responded to after the fact where officers arrived and performed CPR and the ambulance had taken them away. And I, I, and I saw them, the child actually being carted away that which those, anything involving children will just gut you. Yeah. I, I don't care what it is, but anything involving children will just absolutely gut you. And that officer was gutted, but he, you know, we were able to console him to the fact you did something. Yeah. You know, you did something, you did the right thing. You know, we had real good paramedics, you know, on the way to a very good hospital. So, the, you know, the hospital were good. But yeah, that just absolutely gutted me. Um, to see the little child card off. I, and there's a few other instances I've had. Um, went to a shooting one time. There is a triple shooting. Um, these guys had been robbing drug dealers in another part of town. They found out where they were and they came in and shot the house up. But there's a pregnant lady. And. Uh, it's okay. Take your time. You could uh, see the baby kicking. And that, that is one I did not follow up on. I, I didn't want to know. Yeah. 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 God bless the officers who put themselves in harm's way to rescue our children. There's been so much criticism of police officers for what they fail to do. But the cops I know, they'll lay down their lives and die to save a child. They don't have to contemplate it. They've trained and prepared and are willing to do this right now. I'm not saying that a cop can't be a coward. I'm sure there are some. But if you hear a story that says a whole group of police officers just didn't have the moral courage to go save children, I'm telling you that you don't have the whole story. What would be the odds that in any emergency that every officer involved would be that cowardly? I just don't believe it. There has to be something else going on, something stopping these men and women from saving our children. So I'm on a mission to collect hundreds of these stories to show the courage and bravery of our police officers. I'd also like to thank the officers who were willing to sit down and share these oral histories with me. If you'd like to participate, please contact me through the Hey Chaplain Facebook page. If you like what you heard here, please share this episode with a cop or someone who loves a cop. And if you like this type of episode, please listen to bonus episodes 2, 3, and 5, which are titled My Worst Police Car First-Hand Accounts, My Holiday on Duty First-Hand Accounts, and The Fight is On First-Hand Accounts. These are some of my favorite episodes drawn from dozens of hours of interviews that I've done with officers. The views expressed here are the personal views of the hosts and our guests and do not necessarily represent the views of any law enforcement agency or its components. Thank you for listening today. And as always, pray for peace in our city. <laughs>